What's up, y'all? This is Tiny and Kelvin Smith. Running back DeAndre Torrey. Senior receiver Michael Lawrence. Senior guard DJ Draper. And you're listening to Bruni's Breakdown Podcast, your home for North Texas sports. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Bruni's Breakdown, the 24-7 sports podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Bruni. And with me, as usual, is Colin Mitchell. Colin, how are you doing today? I know your Lions just lost, but please just try to you have know, some energy Thinking back on that, you know, about 20 minutes ago, it was, <laughs> in the moment, I was very distraught, but we also turned the ball over four times in the red zone and made it a game. Against Patrick Mahomes, Against Pat- Listen, Matt Stafford, well, I'm not even going to get in this argument right now. You're good. It's all right. The Lions I, are okay. I, I just call them, they're better than okay. They're 2-1-1, one one, you know, they're not They're not 4-0 <laughs> like the Cowboys are going to be. That's okay. <laughs> not everyone can be the Cowboys. Not everyone can be that good, all right? It's oh, okay. 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 It's all right. It's all right. Okay. okay. All right. Thanks. I appreciate that. You had, you had, by the way, you had a little bit more like zest on the word podcast in your intro. So I, pr- I appreciate the little, little change up to kind of give our, our audience. See, you some... got to change pace sometimes. Podcast yeah. or podcast, you know, you yeah keep them off balance. They never know. For, for those who, for those who like this version of podcast, please, please at Matthew Brinney underscore on Twitter. just so uh, we Don't can, we me. can know which podcast you like. Better. Don't at me. I've been added enough today. In Add the past him some more. two days, I've been at it enough. We, speaking of that, you know, Twitter and social media were pretty wild last night after the game. It was, uh, man, it was popping. It was. It's kind of still is. It still is. It still is. People see the thing is, I thought maybe you know if people sleep on it, maybe the, some of the hot takes will simmer down. No, they woke up with the same They're exact fiery. energy, and they were just still going. Yeah. I was like, all right, like napalm. This is this is not stopping. <laughs> no. <laughs> napalm jesus christ um yeah no the the energy after the loss yesterday was something that we haven't seen even the smu game you know those people upset but then they were like you know smu is really good and then you know cal was like oh we're right there i don't think we've seen this energy after a loss since old dominion la tech maybe la tech but la tech it was like a la tech la tech i feel like was more of a Disappointing. Lotech was really disappointing. I feel like Lotech was was on the same level. We're talking about last year. Obviously. Yeah, last year's Lotech game I think was more disappointing. Old Dominion. It was kind of like we've seen this before. Thank God Old Dominion was on the road because if Old Dominion was at home, oh man, that loss would have fans would have just started throwing stuff on the field. Poor, <laughs> poor, poor team. It would have been bad. But yeah, this. So it's the longest. It's been a while since we've seen this type of reaction from uh, fans, but I think we've seen it before. We've seen you know. Fans get upset and fans call for people's heads. We saw Graham Harrell's head numerous times on the chopping block, uh, according to fans last year. And now it's Bodie Reader. It's even, well, I don't even, even I don't know. I feel like there's there's new things with this fire. Last night when I was sitting in the end zone from the on the tail eagle side, yeah, whatever, yeah. I heard people calling for Refit's name, telling Seth that he wasn't going to win with Refit. You hear people on Twitter talking about how. Latrell is awful, and you hear people saying Bodie's awful. I feel like the, I feel like this is a lot worse. I feel like pe- it seems like people are coming to a realization where they believe that this team has no chance of doing anything better than what they've done in the past. Is it our fault, Colin? And that's <laughs> the question. Is it? Is it our fault? No, no, no. That's the most arrogant thing I think I've ever said well, on this no, podcast well, because wait, we only well, reached like well, you make, well, you make a good point, though. As an our fault, I, I, I feel you mean the media in general. Okay, yeah. Not, not us specifically because, like you said, our reach isn't everywhere. But 
everybody, including us, including uh, you know the DMN. I mean, uh, Dave Campbell's North Te- or Dave Campbell's football. Everybody was saying that North Texas was supposed to be the team to beat in Texas. Yeah. At least, yeah, behind AM and Texas. Like, yeah. after those two, it's yeah. like UNT's it's like, best Yeah, team. it's like SMU, North, SMU, North Texas game is going to be a great game. Houston, North Texas game going to be a great game. Yeah. Cal, better be scared. And everyone's hyping them up, and here we are, uh, five games into the season. And uh, we, we got we got heads heads wanting to be rolled by yeah. the fans. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in full depth. Real quickly, I do want to say that last night I went home. I got home around 1 or so. And because it was a late game and I opened up our preseason podcast, our season preview podcast. And it's really helpful. Thank God that I started doing the uh, the timestamps. So I just jumped right right to 4125 and boom, right from there I went. Sad we didn't do it last and week. What do you mean? The times? Yeah. I put the timestamps on oh, the, in the in the thing. I just didn't yeah, we it. can't do it on the graphic anymore because now we have more talking points. Yeah, we do a lot more. Four. So yeah. anyways, um, and so I jumped to that and... It was where we started talking about what would not be a success from this season. And that was basically, and I asked three questions. I asked, is this a season of failure if they don't win a bowl game? Is this season a failure if they don't win 10 games? And is this season a failure if they don't win Conference USA? We both ranked Conference USA. Um, no, you ranked bowl game as number one, Conference USA two, and 10 wins third. Um and then I kind of flipped Conference USA and bowl game. I had Conference yeah. USA one, bowl game two, ten wins third. But we both agreed that ten wins would basically be a necessity to win Conference USA, basically, because you'd have to go seven and one and uh, in conference play in order to do so. And that also would include a bowl, a bowl win theoretically. Mm-hmm. So I was listening to that, and I was just thinking my, the whole time I was like, you know, we thought at the time that two and three was maybe the most likely option or maybe the most likely outcome. Like I know you, you said that three and two is, is almost the baseline. Like if they didn't win one of those three big non-conference games, then you're like, damn, this sucks. Like then the failure word starts to come into uh, people's heads. And it did last night. People started saying for the first time, like they're not meeting expectations. They're not fulfilling their potential, this and that. And we knew coming into the season that those three games were going to be hard, but we always expected them to get one. Yeah, and I don't, now, I, and I don't think that was a question from anybody. It was yes. always, it was always, oh, they'll get Houston or SMU. Cal will be the toughest one of those. Yeah, and SMU, as we've seen, is really, really good. They couldn't even hang with SMU. Houston last night. We'll get into that in a second. We saw what happened, and then Cal, that first quarter. I mean, Just put put them away, and yeah. it's that pretty much segues right into the Houston game last night because for the third third time in four games not I don't even count UCSA as a game at this point. So basically UCSA is on the same level as Abilene Christian now. <laughs> so basically <laughs> basically for the third game in a row, they've given up three scoring possessions in the first quarter and they have no points. So they mm-hmm. went down 17 to 0 against Houston. Patrick Carr broke a long run. Uh Mark Marquez Stevenson had some long plays. Uh Clayton Toon looked comfortable as ever. They were able to do whatever they wanted early in the game. He jumped out to a 17-0 lead and it felt over. It felt just like the Cal game early. It felt just yep. like the SMU game early. And it was just like, damn, again, this is really happening. And, and I think the team knew that too, because we saw them starting to go for it on fourth down early, early. in the game. Mm-hmm. And multiple times. I mean, there there was a drive early where they did it twice in the same drive. Yeah. So 
I think Third. the team, as much as the fans knew that this, ha- they had to have put up a good, they had to put up a good performance in front of all those people, because it was thirty thirty thousand, uh, and the stadium looked thirty thousand, mm-hmm. and they knew, as well as the fans, that hey, we need to not give up a first quarter like we did the last three games. Yeah. So, so um, third possession of the game, they start, they went for it, did not get it. They went for it on about, I believe it was midfield, somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, yeah, or on the 41. So, or some, somewhere around there. And from there on, it just, the defense settled in. They forced three straight punts, just like we saw against Cal, just like we kind of saw against SMU. But at that point it's kind of too much and North Texas had a chance to cut it to seven before half to go in 17 to 10 but they had to settle for a field goal um so they're going to have down 17 to six to come out in the second half uh Houston gets the ball first and I believe they went down and scored right off the bat yes they did eight plays 60 yards three three minutes and 40 seconds so that was the first touchdown for them then North Texas come down, and this is when Mason Fine started going off, which is what I, I kind of want to get into after, after this real briefly, is that Mason Fine took over the game in the third quarter. Yeah. He was throwing the ball perfectly. He was running the ball. He was creating something out of nothing time after time after time, and that is something we haven't seen from him. I don't want to get too deep into that yet, but Mason Fine took over the game. And so North Texas in the third quarter starts off with two back-to-back touchdowns. They cut it to 31 to 18 and then <laughs> and then they kicked it to Marquez Stevenson for the second time yeah and Marquez Stevenson yeah does what Marquez Stevenson does and he returned the punt and from that point on or I'm sorry returned the kickoff <laughs> from when he returned that kickoff with 657 back in left in the game or what left in the third quarter I kind of like Damn, I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is um gonna work out well. So yeah, once that happened, and then they returned the punt to really stick the dagger in all the way, and from that point on, it was kind of just it was over. Even though it was a two possession game till late in the fourth quarter when uh, Patrick Carr scored a late touchdown, it North Texas didn't feel like they had a real chance. So yeah, the final score ended up being forty six twenty five. I'm anxious to talk about this game in more depth but those are those are the basics um is there anything i missed colin was there any i mean mike law had nine receptions 120 yards i think we need to talk we'll we'll get into this we need to talk about mike law and we need to talk about receiving receivers yes we will talk about receivers in full depth Jalen darn had eight receptions for i believe 40 something yards and nothing nothing big uh pearl had six receptions of his own it was Mason Fine ended the game 35 of 55 off the top of my head Yep, uh, for 353 yards. He was our, he won our uh, player of the game award for the first time this season. So congratulations to him. Surprising that it took this long. First time of the year. I mean, yeah. So hopefully that means good things for him moving forward. Um, Real quickly, I want to talk about Mason Fine because I don't think we have him on our docket. No, Mason Fine. I mean, we have the pass game in there, but it's more of like yeah. Let's, let's talk about let's talk about Mason first, game. and then we'll go through. Okay, our... yeah. Um, also, thank you, thank all of y'all for y'all's questions. We got a ton of questions, lots, a lot of questions, probably 12, 10, yeah. 12. And I don't want to turn this into a Q and A podcast. Uh, so we're gonna, and a lot of them were about similar things. So we're gonna kind of bunch them together, and I'll give y'all shout outs and everything yeah. but we will answer y'all's questions we basically formed the podcast around y'all's questions so yes, the, everything should get answered and then at the end of each section we'll credit whoever yes for sure for sure yeah. because y'all ask great questions and we enjoy answering them so 
first, nobody asked about Mason Fine. And so I want to talk about Mason Fine because... It's good they didn't, I feel like. It's because, good they didn't ask about Mason Fine. Yes, because I feel like <laughs> his performance is massively going to be overshadowed by yeah. this loss. Mason Fine went out there, and in the first half, I don't think he was good. I think he was... You came up and you said he was bad in the press box. You said he was bad. Yeah, and I said I was, it was his worst worst game of the season. Yeah, I, I wasn't taking it that far. I said he looked like he did against SMU and Cal. Um, he didn't look comfortable. And we've seen that multiple times this year. We've seen him come out, not be comfortable... Uh, whether that's because he doesn't have protection or whether it's because his receivers aren't getting open or whether that's because the defense is playing the pass. Regardless of what it was, we've seen him not be comfortable yeah. this season. And this kind of first half showed us the same thing. In the second half, though, Mason Fine was the quarterback that we've all expected him to be and the quarterback that we've seen him be for the past three years. Yeah, there was fire. He was playing yep. his ass off. He was playing hard. He was creating something. He was not. Um, oh man, the play where he had the two pump fakes, where he yeah. pump faked guy yeah. and pump faked another guy and picked up six yards just off of nothing instead of throwing the ball away. That showed what Mason Fine's mentality was, and he made all the throws. He made a nice throw to Mike Law cutting across the field. He was being smart with the ball. He knew when to check down. He knew when to take the screens. He came out in the second half, and in the third quarter, he completed 12 of his 13 passes. He ended up completing 13 of his first four, or no, 14 of his first 15 passes in the second half. Mm-hmm. And they weren't for super short games. I think they yeah, lots of lots of actual yeah. I think I think downs. that the I think that the 14 receptions to start the second half. No, no, no. The the 12 receptions in the third quarter, I believe, went for around 150 yards. Yeah. So that's, that's better than his game average ended up being. And he had a touchdown. Um, Mason Fine was locked in, and you could tell Mason Fine wanted to will his team into the game. And I think more than anything, I, I'll get into this in a second because I want you, you to respond with your opinion, but Houston kind of played North Texas for the first time, played their run. Yeah. And so that was kind of my takeaway is, all right, we saw a team take away the run, and Mason Fine threw for 350 yards and had a quarter where he was like, all right, y'all are – not not I don't want to say they're not respecting Mason, but they're playing the run. All right, I'm gonna do this to you. And he kind of realized that and he came out with a different mentality. And I think that's the mentality that this team needs from him. Even if they're not all forty yard post routes and they're not all right. twenty even twenty yard routes, really. A lot of them were intermediate short passes, but you could tell in his mentality that he was gonna make the right play. And that's all they need from him. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, that first half was rough and I said it was his worst game just because Tons of overthrowing, just mm-hmm. throwing way too high for his receivers. Yeah. And the the throw that stuck out the most was the the last, I think it was the last play of, of the half where he threw it to Torrey and just completely missed him. And mm-hmm. he threw his mouthpiece off the field. Um, after that, he, he became Mason Fine again. Um, but Trey Siggers really opened up Mason for that third quarter. I mean, that first half, he had two he breakaway. Yeah, he two, had two breakaway runs. And... He was really the only thing that was going for them on offense. So, I mean, he was the reason they got however many, six points at the yeah, half. Yeah, six points. So he's the reason they had those six points because he, he just ran so hard. And then that opened up Mason for the third quarter. Um, but the, obviously they weren't able to make the comeback. So what we saw from Mason in the third quarter was very good to see. But I also think that Mike Law was a lot of a reason of that. I mean, Mike Law looked like sophomore year Mike Law. Mm-hmm. So... I, I mean, I just think he deserves a shout out. No, it's, friend of the pod. It's true. Yeah, I don't think he needs any more shout outs from us. He has gotten all friend the, of the shout pod. outs possible. <laughs> um, that's uh, yeah, that's all. Oh, secondly, 
with this offense, I have a second kind of tangent because we weren't asked about this either. It was the offensive line's worst game of the season, and it really wasn't close. SMU was bad. This game was worse from the offensive line. <laughs> yeah. If you pull up, just watch any quarter of the game, any play of the game, and watch the offensive line, whether it's run blocking or whether it's pass blocking, it wasn't. It was bad, and it was worse. And the thing is, I was thinking to myself last night, damn, last week I came on here and I said, this offensive line is really good. That's what I said. I said that, and then I went and wrote a story about how good they were. <laughs> I backed up what I said last week on this podcast. Yeah. And then they go out and do this. How do you feel? I feel like I have betrayed our listeners. <laughs> I feel like I have completely wronged them. Because let's think about it. After SMU, we were on them hard. We were on yeah, the offensive line we hard. Were. Against Cal, we were like, all right, this still wasn't good. But, you know, there were times where they were okay. And I gave them the benefit of the doubt because it was Cal. But in reality, it still wasn't great. And then at UTSA, they played UTSA, who, again, I don't count UTSA as an opponent. UTSA is FCS as far as I'm concerned right now. As far as looking at actual Conference USA teams. Like, Rice is better than UTSA right now, and it's not close. UTEP is probably better than UTSA right now. UTSA is going to be the worst team North Texas plays. Now that that's out of the way, I took way too much out of that game, and I overreacted. And I... I, it's not that big of a deal, so I don't want to apologize for it, but I feel bad because I came on here last week and I was like, man, the offensive line just dominated UTSA and UTSA is solid, you know? No, UTSA is bad. And we saw Houston and SMU and Cal, the three yeah. games that they've actually played have been very, very, very subpar games. And so I feel like I just need to, I just need to slow down. I don't want to come on here every week and start praising people that play good and kill everyone that played bad you know just flip-flop every week but I was just so convinced that the offense line had figured it out at this point and maybe that's because our expectations were so high for the offense line coming into the, into the year yeah that I was like they finally clicked <laughs> there it, it was ha- it happened but Houston just kind of brought it back to earth on the bright side we'll get into this in a bit but Houston and SMU and Cal are the best defenses that North Texas will play this year so there's some solace, at least. But, yeah, I just want to say that. I wanted to apologize. <laughs> okay. any, any any response? No, I, I don't. <laughs> I didn't say they were great last week, so I'm fine. I'm in the yeah. clear. Yeah, you're, you're good. You're good. <laughs> um, so, anyways. All right, let's get into what we actually have here. Where did they go? Oh, it's on the other page. Um, we have, a, we're going to start with the offense. We got a lot of questions about the offense. Obviously offense is the hot button, hot button topic. When you score six points in a half, when you got off to slow starts against every team that is again, a team. And then with Rico Bussey going down, it kind of changed the complexion of what we expect from this team, from this offense, at least. Yeah. And I think they missed Rico Bussey so much last night. I think they missed, oh, yeah. missed him a ton. And obviously UTSA didn't show as much, but this is a different animal, and I think that Jair had one touchdown down the sideline, like for like thirty yards, but there was no, there was no breakaway like touchdown that you were like, all right, he's just gonna throw up a 50-50 ball. He didn't throw many of those at all, and in fact, you could tell because thirty-five completions for three hundred fifty yards is ten yards, <laughs> ten yards a, a completion, and that is significantly less than his career average, which is I believe is probably thirteen or fourteen. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I think that stat kind of tells the story. We got a few questions on the past game, um, from Adam and uh, Jeff. 
Now, their basic sentiment was, you know, what do they have to do to improve the pass game? And also, can are they able to go vertical, basically? And are, yeah. will is the, what do they have to change to go vertical? Like, is there anything they can even do? They don't have anything that they could do. You don't have, you just don't have the talent to do it. You don't. You have Jair Shorter, who eventually could. Yeah. But Greg White hasn't seen the field. There's a reason for that, I guess. Greg Coach, White had one reception. Yeah, and it was one yard short of a first down, and they had to punt yeah. it. Yes, it was. So he hasn't shown the coaches anything to get out there. Jalen Darden is just getting receptions and not a whole lot of yards. Yeah. Mike Law, like we said, is a possession receiver. The only play player that can kind of break the top off the defense is Jair Shorter, yeah. but he's so inexperienced, and they just don't have talent. I mean, yeah. they're throwing freshmen out there. And Deontay then, Simpson. And uh, who's 24? I, Roderick? Is that uh, his no, name? no, no. That's uh, yeah, Roderick Burns. Roderick Burns. I don't even know who that is. I don't. Yeah, he's not a freshman. Yeah, I, I was like, who's 24? Must be a freshman. Had no idea who that was. <laughs> had absolutely yeah. zero idea. Yeah, Roderick Burns. Uh, yeah, you mentioned it. Deion Hare Griffin, did he have a reception? Yeah, he had two receptions for 16 yards last night. Don't remember him. Um, <laughs> Michael Law was targeted 15 times, and Jalen Darden was targeted 11 times. Yeah. And then Jason Pertle was targeted seven times. And those are guys who are not going to catch the ball past, typically, typically past 15 yards down the field Yeah, at most. Mike Law had the 40-yard reception late in the game in the fourth quarter, but that looked was... Like, looked like that pass play on the that drive. That was fourth down. That was fourth, yeah, yeah, that was fourth down, and Mason rolled out and just threw it over there, and Mike Law caught it. So, I think it's a fair question. Like, how do you create a deep pass game without Rico Bussey, without Jalen Guyton, like... Even remember Turner Smiley, like yeah, at least he could run a post and he was a, he was an experienced guy. Though. Yeah, that's that's the point is that you have you go from those guys who have been experienced who have played in big games to Jair Shorter who's still finding his footing and Jair's a good receiver like you said right now he's but he's still finding his footing. Yeah, he's young. I mean, he hasn't been thrown out there. Yeah. He's he the went red- from being behind Rico Bussey and maybe getting a few snaps a game yeah. to now being Rico Bussy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. As a retro freshman. Yeah. Good luck with that. Um, but yeah, Greg White, uh, Deontay Simpson had, did he have one reception or two? I think he had one. Uh, he had two. 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 For, two then he was targeted tw- uh, twice for fades in the yeah. end zone. Yeah. Two receptions on four targets, 21 yards. So again, we got a fr- true freshman run out there trying to make plays. Uh, we haven't seen any other true freshmen though, Hatib Lyles or Damon Damon um, Damon Ward, and or Keelan Jackson. Keelan Jackson is more of a slot receiver, but you know what I mean. There, we haven't seen any other freshmen yet, so they haven't had to dig all the way into their red right, shirt pool. And exactly. <laughs> so that I mean, depending on so that's the second game playing Deontay Simpson. Yeah, Deontay Deontay's not kind of red shirt. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because of this injury, you've already burned one. Yeah. Do we see anybody else get burning their red shirts? Which would be super unfortunate. <laughs> that would be because I think if Greg White can at least produce to the level of the other freshmen, then like if it's close at all, you have to go with Greg White so you can rush it the, the other Yeah. Ones, so, um, but yeah, I just don't see a lot of ways that they can take the top off the defense, especially with Houston last night, who was playing the run more. And in that case, they the corners were playing kind of off. Like we mm-hmm. we saw with North Texas when they played SMU, how they lowered the box and the corners played off. Yeah. So they just kept taking the short stuff. That's what North Texas basically did last night on offense is they were throwing the screens to Jalen Darn a lot. They were throwing the short stuff to Jason Pirtle a lot. And when that happens, you don't have as much opportunity, especially when the offensive line, like I said, was not giving Mason any time yeah. at all. So, have fun running 25-yard routes when Mason has three seconds in the pocket. 
it's just there's not a lot going right in the past game for this. When Rico goes down and you have to turn to a retro freshman and you don't have um, the protection up front that you need to go deep and then the run game's not there as well, you're you're handcuffed. So Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's all I had on the past game. I'm pretty sure we answered y'all's questions um, well enough. Um, we're not going to be perfect and answer every single right. part of y'all's questions, yeah. like every down to the minute, because I don't want this to turn into a Q&A podcast, like I said, but I think we answered that well enough. Uh, Trey Siggers, you mentioned him. Preston asked about him on Twitter. Do we expect... Do we want Trey Siggers to give him more carries? Absolutely. Okay. All right. The thing is, though, like I said, I think Houston was playing the run more. Yeah, and I think they were too. Um, but I feel like everyone kind of wondered, like, why didn't they give him at least five more carries? How I mean, how many? How many? Yeah, how many did he have? Read that off. Uh, he finished with. Oh, it's down here. Fourteen. Yeah. No reason why he shouldn't be getting at least twenty a game. And it's weird because. The drop off between the playmaking ability of Trey Siggers and like we've kept saying this constantly, DeAndre Torrey is not a bad back, but Trey Siggers has shown this year that he is able to make a big play on like every other play almost. It's yeah. crazy, yeah. and it's it's weird that the coaches haven't been like, okay, just do your thing. I feel like they need to kind of just hand the ball instead of trying to split the carries so much, especially with how much he's been able to do so far this yeah. year. I mean, DeAndre Torrey had six carries for three yards. Yeah. In as opposed to eighty three yards on fourteen attempts for Toy for Sigurds, I'm sorry. I think that I, I you it's so hard to say that Sigurds should have got twenty carries and DeAndre should have got zero. Like that's hard to say in that respect. And so when you have a game where Mason Fine throws the ball fifty five times, I don't have a huge problem with fourteen to six. How many of the other backs have? Lauren had one. And then wasn't there another one? That's, is all that that is it? Mason okay. ran a couple times, but that was it. Jason okay. Bean ran a couple times. That Jason Bean play. <laughs> I, I was I was on the field. I was about to head up. I was done. Uh, <laughs> I was not watching. Oh, uh, but yeah, I just so in this in this aspect where Houston was playing the run, obviously, and Mason Vine had to do more. I don't have a huge problem with fourteen carries. That's just me personally. But I do think Trey Siggers is going to have to continue to be a monster for this team. Yes, because if he was going to be player of the game. For the until, third time. Yeah, until Mason. For the third time, ladies and gentlemen. Off. So, um, But yeah, thanks, Preston, for your question. All right. <laughs> you ready You ready to get into some the hot topic stuff? You ready to dip our toe in the lava, Colin? My feet are in the lava already. Because. I'm fired up. Let's talk about the play calling that everybody in the world wants to talk about. I wonder how many people sat there last night and went, wow, Mason sucks under Bodie. We should just bring back Graham. Everybody said that. <laughs> I thought that. For I thought half it second. too. I thought it, that first half, I was like, "Well, shouldn't have fired Graham." <laughs> they didn't. They didn't fire. Graham. Well, you know what? You know what I mean. He left. Graham left. Graham left. Um. Yeah. So basically, we have questions. Let's see who, who. Who? Let me give them credit real quick. Um. Shoot. NTSN and I forgot the name of the second one. I forgot to write it down here. I have it right here. Uh. At Fuss Budgets. That's all I'm going to say. At Fuss Budgets. So both NTSN and Good Fuss Budgets, both of them asked us about the play calling and Bodie Reader, and we were going to talk about this anyways because everybody in the world talked about Bodie Reader. So, Colin, like you said, the game started off. They couldn't get anything going early. They had chances. They went for it on fourth down on a couple of occasions and weren't able to get it. They tried running it on short downs and weren't able to get it. 
Uh, Mason Fine looked uncomfortable early. They tried some RPO stuff that didn't work at all. They tried the same run stuff that they tried against UTSA that did not work at all, where they were pulling the guards around and or pulling the tackle around. And yeah, it didn't work at all. Nothing worked. And so when that happened, you have people thinking like, damn, was Graham really that bad? And I just want to remind you all that y'all said the same exact thing about Graham last year. So, and the thing is, Graham but, was going against worse competition than this. <laughs> so we we didn't see Graham against Houston, and we didn't see Graham against Cal. We didn't see Graham against this SMU team. It's fair. Okay, very fair. We saw him go against Arkansas, which was disjointed. Liberty, bad SMU. Come on, it's a different it's a different animal. So that's why I don't. I, this will be a kind of a theme of the podcast. Is I'm not ready to hit the 10 on the panic meter. I'm not ready to fire everybody. I'm not ready for wholesale changes. Yeah, t- 10, 10 means fire. 10 means blow it up. Not yet. I'm not there yet. But some people are. And so, Colin, how right are people saying that Bodie and Seth might not be that good at play calling? Well, Seth, first of all, was the play caller for UNC whenever they went to the... ACC? AC, or no, they went to the... Wasn't the quarterfinal of the of the no, no. college football championship so. no there's no quarterfinal or S- semifinal no semifinal no unc did not make the, the okay then whatever bowl they were in that year yes okay so he so he he got them there and then they were off once he left yes. he had mitchell trubisky and then you have Bodie reader who i mean no one really knows i mean i don't know i don't remember where he what eastern from. washington eastern washington he went okay. to a championship game at eastern washington so, th- so there you go I don't think they're bad at play calling, but they also don't really, they don't have talent right now. I mean, you have Rico. I feel like last night's game goes a lot differently just because you can throw the ball up and just hope that he catches it. But one thing that they do have to do, they have to start changing stuff up. It's, I feel like every game is the same critique. It's why is it, I mean, there was a play last night when, whenever they got uh, forced on their own one where they ran two screens to Jalen, same play. Mm -hmm. And then he got blown up on the second play or, it's just third and ones, constant running down the middle and not getting it. Fourth, the third and one, and then fourth and one, and they ran twice and they didn't get it. Something ha- they have to be different. They can't just keep doing the same thing because teams are already prepared for it. I will say that I truly believe at this point, I believe that the fourth and one and third and one runs up the middle are set the trail. Almost, I'm almost hundred percent. I I'm not gonna guarantee it, but <laughs> after the game, after every press conference, I've heard him say this probably about five times now in my history of covering this team. I probably heard him say this five times. We need to be able to get one yard on third and fourth down. Yeah, he did say that last night. He says that a lot. I think that that's his mentality. I think that he is a fullback in his career. He is a strong dude. He's like, no, we're not gonna throw the ball. We are going to run the ball for one yard. With Trey Siggers, who has been always gets one yard seemingly, why can we not get one yard here? Theoretically, it's right because, like I've said before, I've said before that eighty percent of plays on third or fourth and one are going to be runs. Like you go to any level of football, right. NFL, when they're on the goal line with one yard, you know it's going to be a run. So it just that's that's how it goes usually. I don't know if it's working. It clearly isn't working. So it did work on a couple of occasions. There were a couple of occasions where they did, but I feel like instead of it being like an 80% success rate, which it should be, it's like 60 or 50. 
And I think and this is going back to last year. Well, this is going this. Yes, this is going back to last year. But then I, I want to take this a step further in that we and everybody hyped this offense up to an extreme level. OK, in the preseason, we did the same thing. We yep. said Rico Bussey, Mike Law, Jalen Darden, Mason Fine, new offensive line. You know, we thought Trace or we thought uh, DeAndre Torrey, but shoot, Trace Siggers is now the running yeah. back. So expectations are high. You take Rico Bussey off of it. You say the offensive line is now, once again, average at best, maybe subpar. And then you you realize that there's no deep threat and it just changes how you play. And I feel I fear that this I fear that this offense isn't isn't good enough to be at the level which we thought they're at, which I think they've proven. I think they've three games in or three games against F against good teams. We expected this offense to be on par with them. Yeah. I, I, that's another thing I picked up on the podcast is I said that they should be on par with all these teams or at least right there with them. And they were not right there with them against any team except for maybe Cal. And I think that Cal just has a bad offense. Yeah. So Cal was shooting themselves in the foot more so. Than- yeah. Cal, Cal cannot score. Regardless, I just think that the expectations were so high, and I feel like now we're realizing it's it's a good conference USA offense. And I that isn't that, that, isn't that awful to say? Pretty, good. That's pretty. That's pretty bad to say. That is pretty bad. That's more of an insult than it is a compliment. That's an insult. But it's a good. It's a. But it is a good. It's a very. Good, it might be the best offense in conference USA. It might be. And you had to throw F- might. And F- you had to throw might F- after. FAU put up 45 points last night. I don't know. But um, you get what I'm saying. They're a top two or three offense in Conference USA. And we'll get into this in a second. But that's all that matters at this point. Now it does. Because It didn't before. Because they, they're not at the AAC level. And they're not one of the best group of five teams in the country. Isn't that awful to say? It's the truth. But isn't it awful to say? After what we expected them to be yes but again we kind of ended the season saying there's a good probability that they go two and three to start the season and yet here we are two and three but i think it's a bad two and three last night houston didn't have Derek king they didn't have their starting running back they didn't have their second best receiver they didn't have their center they didn't have their right guard and And they were playing a true freshman the quarterback or no No, uh, red sophomore at quarterback. Yeah. And they well, destroyed. How much worse does that make the loss? Way worse. Because Way I predicted worse. I predicted 41-21 with Derek King. With Derek King there, I don't even know what would have happened. It would have <laughs> just blood just would have been all over the field. <laughs> I mean, Clayton Toon passed for 124 yards. That man did nothing. But it felt like he did everything. It did. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And it felt like he did everything and he didn't have to pass for more than that. No. The special teams Got him. Patrick it, Carr had three touchdowns, 130 yeah. yards. I on. mean, the the second touchdown they got, he ran for 80 yards or yeah. whatever it was. Yeah. So, I don't even know what would happen if they had their actual running back. I don't know what would happen if they had their actual quarterback, because or their second best receiver, because that it was easy. It was so easy for them to score. Here's a question. I want to go back to the play calling real quick. Should we start seeing Mason throw 45 plus times, regardless of what the defense is in? You have to really. I feel like you have to. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. You cannot because, turn this team into a run-heavy team. But we saw Trey Siggers have success against SMU. Tra- no, no, and no, we no, had, no, no, and no, no. I agree. I agree. I agree. Trey Siggers is good against really good teams. Like Trey Siggers is Trey Siggers is the only person 
that I can say is he can't be on any list, bad list for anything. Yeah. But you have to give Mason, you have to put the ball in your best player's hands. I agree. And that is Mason Fine. It is still Mason Fine. It'll always be Mason Fine the rest of the season. This team will not win a game with Trey Siggers being the focal point of the offense. And that's because this defense can't hold anybody. If you're if you're trying to win against a, against a good team, you mean? Well, so far, I mean, okay, we're not counting UTSA. We're, we're saying ACU is better than UTSA at this point. Okay, yeah, we're not counting those two games. Okay, We're, we're not counting those two games. And every game what they've played, they've been playing from behind Yes, by more than two scores the whole time. Yes. Yeah, you can't you can't make it a run heavy team. You can't. I I think that I don't think we'll see that at any point. I think that if teams play off, I think if they do what SMU did, where they drop eight, I think that they are going to run the ball regardless. And I think Trey Siggers will have success. Now, whether that success is enough, he will have success. The team will not. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't know if it's enough to bring the team success. So, I think Mason needs to be in that mode that he was in the third quarter for all the game. He needs to be mad. He needs to be upset, he and be he was clearly upset after the game and the post game, and I think that that's just what, where it has to be at this point in his in his career. He needs to be like, all right, I don't have Rico anymore. I don't have a deep threat. I don't have an offensive line. All right, I'm gonna go do my thing. It was I'm surprising that he, that he would try to take some runs up the middle because you never was, you never see that from Mason. Yeah. I mean, those weren't designed runs. I'll tell you what, there were two designed runs in the first quarter. For Mason Fine, yeah, and they went for absolutely nothing. Yeah, and they, they were, always do. They were disgusting. I never want to see that. Put put Jason Bean in if you want to run. They did Jesus for Christ. one play. Yes, I know. Okay, uh, that's all I have on play calling. Um, again, thank you all for your questions. We hope we answered them adequately. I believe we did. I actually have one more question. Oh God, I'm gonna add on to that. Okay, go ahead. Is this the extent that we're gonna see of the quote unquote dynamic Bodie Reader offense? Yeah, has has what we've seen been it? Okay. Well this okay, this kinda of opens up a new box for me because <laughs> He's uh, like, Kelvin Smith Kelvin Smith is also injured. We didn't I didn't mention that at all. Kelvin Smith did not play. Yeah. Kelvin I was wearing a brace on his left knee. Yeah. Kelvin Smith was out. Kelvin Smith has missed time before this season. Kelvin Smith has not looked right. Uh he's a very good run blocker. We haven't seen him as a receiver this season at all. Jason Pearl had six receptions last night. I don't know if Jason Pearl's that much of a better route runner or better receiver than than Kelvin, but I mean, we have to acknowledge that the two games Jason Pearl has started, he's been successful. I also want to mention that Jason Pearl was lined up at receiver a few plays. Yeah, last no, night he too. he does. He lines up um, in the slot at times. So I just don't think we're gonna see a lot of two tight end sets because we've seen it for one game. Yeah, and that was Abilene Christian. Yeah, and we haven't seen it at all. Other than that, and all we've been told is that, you know, it didn't. It eleven and ten man personnel worked better against this team. Okay, well then, just don't tell me that y'all are gonna run twelve man personnel and two tight ends when you're not. Just don't tell me that. That's the only thing. That's the only thing <laughs> I care. Please about. and thank you. <laughs> they started. They started the game with three receivers, one tight end, one running back. That's how you're gonna play. That's how they're gonna play the entire season. I'm assuming. Just, just so what we've seen is head. is what it was what there is eleven yes and they ran a lot of not a lot, okay I shouldn't say a lot they ran a dec- they ran a few RPOs they ran a lot of quarterback uh, option plays just Mason kept one of them in the third quarter when, on his tear um, so I don't know how much more creativity there is there's was, there was a lot of screens and I think this is gonna sound like an echo from my Cal and SMU games but when you don't have an offensive line that can play against good teams. You're very limited. So, we'll see. We'll see if they do anything else. We'll see if they try to reinvent the wheel over the bye week. Um, I do think there are things we haven't seen, though. 
What that means, I don't know. But formations, personnel, something. Something will be there. All right, Colin, anything else offensively? Nope. Okay. Let's get the defense. We didn't have any questions about the defense. I guess everyone loves the defense. I guess everyone's very happy with the defense. But I do want to talk about them anyways because uh, three straight games, they've looked like absolute crap in the first quarter, Colin. Garbage. Analyze. Garbage. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, uh, so the push-up front, is has been pretty okay all season. Yeah, it um, was better in the beginning, but yes. Yeah, uh, lately, I mean, like like you just said, hasn't been that great. Um, linebackers, we're seeing Katie Davis and Tyreek Davis kind of step into their step into those shoes from last year. Katie Davis last night, how many tackles did he have? Um, Katie had seven, seven, and then Tyreek had seven. Tyreek had six, six, three okay. for loss. Yeah, so they did they did great Fine. last night. Yes, yeah. Um, that secondary man. That's awful. If I see Taylor Robinson not turn around on one more deep ball. Yeah, he got called for that pass interference in the end zone. Yes. That you gotta put someone else there. Not not permanently, but you just have to put somebody else in there just to see. Because I think they spent that Mikhail Sanders. <laughs> right, and, 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 and they I'd rather have Jamil Moore there right now. I mean you have you, T Rob T Rob had Three against Cal, I feel like. Wasn't it yeah, three? N- no, no. that was Or was it Jamil. two? Taylor had one or two against against Cal, yeah. Okay, he had two. He just he just got turned around. I, I, don't, I don't get it. Anyways, T-Rob has been getting burned. Cam Johnson's played better. Nate Harvey. Nick, Nick. Harvey. Man. He's not. I, I, is it just because our expectations were so high about Nick? I think so. I think our expectations about the defense were high. Um... No, they weren't high. You know what? No, our expectations. I, were that's not what I'm saying high. about Nick Harvey specifically. But Nick Harvey specifically, yes, I believe so because yeah. I saw what he did at A and M, and I was like, yeah, okay. But it's a different, it's a different player. So, and it's a different scheme as well. But the thing is, I don't like. I watch the same thing as you. I watch the guys, you know, try to break up the pass in the uh, new fashion way of getting your arms between their hands with so without turning around. You know, that's it's a viable strategy. A lot of teams do it. Uh, especially in college where you don't have to turn around, Mm -hmm. you know, in NFL, you have to get your head around college. You don't have to, as long as you don't run them over. (laughs) Uh, And so I'm, I'm, I'm there thinking like, damn, why aren't they taught to like turn around? Like, why aren't they taught to find the ball when you're in position? Like stuff like that. I'm thinking, but then I'm like, Clay Jennings, cornerbacks coach has been to seven different prominent schools like he was at tech last year like he was at he's been to a bunch of good tech like schools as a cornerbacks coach i think that he knows what he's doing more than us so that's why i give him the benefit of the doubt and then troy Reffitt is a set is the safeties coach like these guys know way more than we do of course and i'm sure that they're being taught something i mean i don't think they're being taught to turn their head around but i'm just saying I'm, there has to be something that they heard at a coaches convention or heard from a great coach or something here or there that is making them do this but that's why i'm just well, like I, i'm I'm, not, and on this, I'm just confused and I, i'm not i'm not blaming the coaches on this one because it's 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 on any long pass i feel like something bad happens yeah. every time and taylor robinson has been right now the the person that's kind of shined for that they, they've replaced jamil Moore obviously with yeah. mikhail sanders mikhail hasn't gotten burned Mikhail, but yeah, Mikhail hasn't gotten burned. You could Nate Harvey hasn't really gotten burned. Cam Johnson hasn't gotten burned. It's 
See, the thing is, and they, they, there was a touchdown in the back of the end zone. It was to number nine. I'm not going to remember who number nine is for Houston, but they, they were in a zone and he let him get behind him and then caught Who's him in the back of the end zone. T Rob? Number nine. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. T Rob let yeah. him get behind him in the, in the zone. And that's just kind of showed uh, a lack of awareness, which I didn't. I feel like, and I feel like that's kind of how it's, how it's been. I feel like, and I'm not trying to hate on Taylor Robinson, but man, you got to, sometimes you just got to throw someone else in there and see if, see if something works. We'll see. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I I don't know if they have any other options. And I think that as a senior, I don't know if you can take him out at this point. So, um, it's interesting because I'll I'll segue this into our next one because I think Marquez Stevenson took up so much of their attention. I feel like, but I feel like it wasn't enough attention to yeah. Marquez Stevenson because he still got free and still did some special things especially early in the game mm-hmm. to kind of break open the defense and then Patrick Carr was able to carve them up in the run game to give up three scores right off the bat even though the third one was off a short field off of the uh, failed uh, fourth down attempt it's the third game in a row where you're giving up big plays in the first quarter I don't know if that's I don't know if you could chalk that up to not being prepared I don't know if you could chalk that up to somebody you know making just one little mistake but even if it's one guy making one little mistake we're in week five of the season at this point yeah yeah i know things are fixable and i know we're not even in conference usa play yet but at what point are we like no this is the defense like things are going to improve obviously when conference usa comes around because you don't have to face marquez stevenson and you don't have to face james prochet but still we're expecting this defense to be at least serviceable and they haven't been that so far this year, but I will give them credit that they have bounced back better than, uh, they've played better than they have in the first quarter okay. against Cal yeah. and yeah. against Houston. Let's say, I don't really know if there's been a lot of bouncing back. No, cause against Houston, they, they didn't allow much, much else like against Houston. They allowed two more touchdowns for the rest of the game off a punt. Oh yeah. But... No, they allowed two. the defense allowed two touchdowns for the rest of the game. There was a punt return. There was yeah. a kick return. Yeah. There were six touchdowns scored and a, yeah, yeah, and a field goal. So I don't know. I give them kind of a. I'm just saying, we, we know that they can do it at a certain point. We know that they're capable of it because they've done it in the second halves of these games. Yeah. But if you're going to spot the other team three possessions. It's like a handicap every game. Yeah. It's just like, come on. You, you can't do that. You got to be better. So. Um, you mentioned KD and Tyreek. I'm happy about them. Joe Zogu, I thought played a good first half, especially last night. Um, is there anybody I'm missing? Kyrie had a solid game. Um, there was only one sack last night, or two sacks. I'm sorry, two sacks. One from Tyreek and one from uh, Joe. Nothing special, really. Clayton Tune was nothing special at quarterback. He was a game manager. They just got carved up by the run game and then beat in the pass game. And that's pretty simple. There's not much to it. Yeah, so they just got beat. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, NTSN has a special teams question. I wasn't gonna spend too much time on it because they were they've been fine for most of the season. Yeah. This was just a really 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 bad game by them. Uh, but yeah, I think the special teams needs to be noted at least that they gave up a punt return and a kick return touchdown, and uh, their kickoff t- coverage team or their kickoff coverage in general has been bad because even when Take away the touchdown. They had a squib that was not good that 
Houston returned like the 45. They had a, an, a another kick to Marquez Stevenson the, before the touchdown that mm-hmm. went to the 40. Um, they tried everything. I don't know what happened with kicking out of the end zone. There was no win last night as far as like majorly influence it because they did it on both sides of the ball. So, yeah, I don't know what's happening there. And then um, nothing has happened really on the return game for North Texas. I mean, DeAndre Torrey is good back there, but he hasn't really popped one past like the 35 or 40 yeah. much. So not too much special thing. I just think that they were not good. There's nothing really to say about that. Okay, go on. Uh, I think it's pan- panic meter time. Okay. What, what we were going to talk about, uh, should, should anyone get replaced? I mean, that's I have I have that down here on the notebook. Oh, you, you want to pass the panic it? meter? Do you want to flip it? Do you want to go panic? Oh, meter? I don't care. I didn't know you had it written down below there. Okay, I know. What let's do panic meter first. Okay. So let's talk about panic meter so that we can like kind of wrap up this Houston game, game deal. Yeah. Um, what did we say last week? It was pretty pretty low. So, you said I it was said like a four, four or like a three or I something four. like that. I four. I said four. Yeah, I think I said six or five still. You were one above me. Yeah, so okay, five. five. So I said five. Where is it at now, Colin? Man, you know, I said before the season, preseason, that uh, if they didn't go ten, in, if they didn't have one of these games, then it was for all intents and purposes a failure of a season. Yes. They've now moved to their secondary objective, in my opinion, <laughs> which is be good in Conference USA, whereas before yes. it was get national recognition. So. That was a big mission going into the year is getting that national recognition. That was that was what was gonna separate this team yep. from the team two years ago. This, with, this was this is the last chance to do it, and they completely failed on that. So secondary objective is conference championship now. Yes. Um I guess man, panic beater, ten being fire everyone and blow it up, and one being this team is going to a national championship. Seven? Okay. Because what do you feel like if you had to take an aggregate of all the fans, all the fans, and where I think the, the fans world, are at? Yeah, yes. Where, where the, fans the fans are at a nine, as an aggregate, Colin. An average. Did you see our video that we made yesterday? The fans are at a nine. <laughs> <laughs> the fans are. Yeah, I would say the fans are an eight. I think they're. Pretty I, th- high. I think they're at a nine. Um, <laughs> I mean, they're already calling for some people's heads, so that's like halfway to the blow up. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I saw people say that they, that Mason should have just redshirted like Derek King. I mean, I saw that on Twitter. Um, Jesus Christ. But uh, no, yeah, I'm going to say seven. Let me see an actual Conference USA team, and we'll see where it goes from there. I think it will go down. Well, you think. Well, Southern Miss is a, is a good team. We've thought a lot. <laughs> We've thought a we lot. Have thought, we have thought a we lot. We have thought a lot. I'm so. I've been so wrong on every single. Both of us. Both. I mean, everybody. Yeah. Not. Not just us. So. True. I would. Mine's at a seven as well, but I think for a different reason than most people. Okay. It's a seven, not because of how bad they looked against Houston, but because, but it's a seven because. They have Southern Miss in two weeks. And the possibility of losing that game makes me panic because if they lose that game, you think it's bad now? Oh, man. If they lose that game, you're going to be glad it's not home because... Oh, my God. It's not going to be good. It's listen, if they good. lose that Southern Miss game, there's nobody here for the next home game. And the thing there's is, nobody. The thing is, losing to Southern Miss does not in- ensure anything. It doesn't ensure that you're not winning con- the, the division. And it doesn't ensure that you're not winning the conference. But it, ru- it, it ruins... 
the way this team is perceived, which is as an all-time great North Texas team. Yes. So you fall down to two and four. You have to be absolutely perfect at that point on. And it's not that hard to be perfect from that point on because your schedule involves UTEP, Rice, Charlotte, um, UAB, La Tech, which are good teams, but you know they're not they're not at a level of Houston. All the teams that we've played so far, so I just think that you have a really tough Southern Miss game. You on lose the against road. Southern Miss, you better be at a nine on that panic meter. I'm gonna be high. <laughs> you gotta be, you gotta be I'm at a nine on that panic meter. I won't meter. be at ten. I won't be no. At 10. Ten's blowing it up. If the, now if they lose after Southern Miss, yeah, no, I won't be at ten <laughs> unless they lose to UTEP, Rice, or Charlotte. Maybe middle. If they lose the middle, actually, right after Southern Miss, I'll be at I'll be damn near a ten. This is all hypothetical, and this is all a conversation that I feel like we have to have because Southern Miss is a good team, and Southern Miss might be on par with with North Texas. Coming into the year, we thought they were on par with North Texas. A lot of people had Southern Miss as their one Conference USA loss. Like people were picking North Texas to go seven and one, but lose to Southern Miss. Yeah, you know what I'm saying in mm-hmm. Conference USA. Yeah, so that can still happen. They can still go seven and one if they lose to Southern Miss, but to be two and four, one and one, and having to be perfect for the rest of the season, that perception, like you mentioned, is going to be chaotic. And I, and, and I am scared of it. So that's why I put. And that's my what I'm saying. This team's seven. goal was to be perceived as one of the greatest teams. You have the greatest quarterback ever. You have a really great uh, defensive end. You have, I mean, the hype around Nick Harvey. Yes. I mean, you had so much hype. Proven Seth, offensive line. Yeah, proven offensive. Yeah, exactly. There was so much hype. And now this team is being perceived as, oh, it's just another North Texas team that did good the last two years, and now they're failing. They can still change that, I think, if they go undefeated in conference. If they go 8-0 in conference, if, and if. if they have, and if they, if they win Conference USA, like they win the championship game or win the bowl game, like after going 8-0, I think that this will still be perceived as maybe the greatest team of all time. Okay. I... It's tough to say. Lots of I, ifs. You have to find out at the end of the season. Yeah, like, 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 tune back in in like two, seven weeks. Yeah. No, but I just think there, there's still an opportunity. And so my panic meter is out of seven because if they lose a Southern Miss, then a lot of people will just start breaking everything North Texas that they have. Anything green is going out the window if they lose a Southern Miss. We're going to start I, seeing a lot more OU and new t-shirts <laughs> at like that 1-11 season. Yeah. So anyways, um, and that's just because expectations are so high. So uh, that's where my panic meter is at seven as well. Um, okay, Gavin Doolittle asked a very, very interesting question. Actually, let me read it verbatim because it's a very grasping question, I guess. Grasping. What a what a word. Gripping? Gripping question. Gripping. That's a better I, word. I don't even All know right, if that's just, the word. Let me just read this off the word. Meticulous. Off the, let me read this off Twitter. <laughs> that's that's the that's just no. Okay. <laughs> yes. Wow. At what point should our expectations be higher for a coach that's in his fourth year? Does blind loyalty to a coach make you a better fan even when his teams routinely get blown out? What point can criticism be valid or am I just crazy for thinking we can be better? Do I need to repeat that question? No. Okay. I need to reread it. So my expectations be higher for a coach that is in his fourth year. Does blind loyalty make a coach uh, make you a better fan? Let's answer the first part of the question. So does blind loyalty make you a better fan? No, that's the second part of the question. See, you don't even remember. Oh. At what point should our expectations be higher wow. for a coach that's in his fourth year? So should ex- well, the thing is our expectations expectations were higher coming into the year, right? Our expectations were extremely yeah, high. Yeah, I think they were as high as you can possibly I don't put. Think, North I, don't, Texas. I don't think anybody else had them had had subpar expectations for them anywhere. Yeah, I don't like their line. Like literally, their Vegas over win total line was seven and a half. 
you'd be hard pressed to find any North Texas fan that was taking the under on that. Like there is none. Yeah. So if you weren't talking eight, nine wins in the regular season, you were seen as a hater and you were seen as completely out of your mind. And I kind of agree with that. Before the season, if you were told me that they were winning seven games, I'd be that's kind of crazy. That's, that's bad. <laughs> I, like, that's not good. Like, yeah. It's possible. Don't get me wrong, but it's that's kind of crazy considering the talent. Yeah. They have. So I feel like expectations were already high, and that's why we're seeing the chaos that we're seeing right now. I think that, and I, I don't want to use the word chaos because I think next week would be chaos. But or, <laughs> so you're as, you're, you're so prepping the, everything for the Southern Miss game for Southern Miss. I think Southern Miss loss would be chaos. That's but funny. This, that's this funny. kind of a. Uh, mentality and the kind of panic that we're seeing right now is because the expectations were so so high and yep. set the trust fourth year i feel like expectations were right were perfect yeah no i think expectations were right where they need to be i now with there being blind people saying blind loyalty well no hold on wait first i want to I, I do want to say that because there were people kind of saying going to bat for set the trail they were saying how much more can you expect from north texas there were people saying like you know they're not an AAC school. They're not Houston. They're not SMU. Well, see, see I, I, those people that say that, Houston used to be a Conference USA school. Now they're the AAC. Yeah. I mean, any school, a UCF used to not be a good team. I mean, North Texas could could be whatever it wanted to as long as they got the talent. Yeah. And we thought they had the talent. Yeah. So I, I, I agree because I think that you want to... For instance, TCU used to be in the Mountain West Conference. Right. Yeah. They were good. Exactly. Every team has humble beginnings. Yes. I mean, Clemson wasn't always Clemson. And obviously, TCU is kind of an outlier because not a lot of teams make that jump. But even if you don't make that jump and you're Boise State or you're UCF or you're SMU or you're Houston, you're still seen on a national stage and you're still, you still have expectations going to the year of being a fringe top twenty-five team. Like that's huge for for non-power five school. A conference USA school at that. (laughs) And so. I feel like there are there are reasons to be kind of down. There are reasons to be panicking. There are reasons to be saying, "Damn, this team should be better." Like, am I going crazy? Like, this team should be better, and that's what well, he asked. Well, when you when you go through the list, you have Mason Fine, top five quarterback yeah, according to Pro, yeah, pro Football. Yeah, I mean, we've gone we've gone over it all. This team on paper should have had one of these. One of these should have been won uh, a game that they won in these yes. last three uh, non conference games. And all of them should have been competitive. Close. Yes. So then this gets into a second question is, does following a coach blindly in his fourth year, does that make you a better fan? Or should we be holding South Trail to a higher accountability than we are right now? Because we haven't really talked about him that much. I don't think there's any blind loyalty. I think up to this point, Seth's been doing fine. Really? I think we have some blind loyalty. Really? You think, okay. We haven't talked about him enough right now. For him, for the losses, except for SMU, where I went out of my way to say we haven't talked about Seth enough. Like that's the only time. Well, uh, this season, I think, is the only time he deserves criticism. Yes. Okay. Yes. No. That's that's yeah, the question. Yeah, that's no. The question. Well, I think I think I think we have been keeping up with it, but I, you don't, you can't, you can't sit here after the uh, Cal game and go, yeah, Seth should, Seth should get fired or Seth should be in the hot seat mm-hmm. or something like that because why he's he's done. He had his uh, two years ago when he first came, three years ago when he first came, he had Mason and got this team to a bowl game. Then the next year, they were explosive. And then the year after that, they were a nine a better team and got Utah State in a bowl. I mean, this team has improved every year. You shouldn't, we shouldn't sit here and call for Seth's head because this team has regressed. Uh, and it, Even though we don't know that they've regressed. 
How, well, they have regressed. Record-wise, yes, but... Well, and product in the field. This is a completely different conversation I don't want to get into because thinking about what, which team was better between last year and this year is a, <laughs> is a road I don't want to go down. Regardless, so, so you're talking about coaching decisions in a game? No. No, no, no. It's having your team properly prepared. It is, it is playing teams like SMU, Houston... And Cal. Okay, okay. Close. Like if, you mentioned. If, if, if last season, if they played those three teams, what happens? They would have lost. Same way. They would have lost the same way. Yes, and that is the problem, Colin. You were right, in I, fourth year. You were in fourth year of head coach Seth Luttrell at North Texas, and he is being perceived. He turned down the Kansas State job, for God's sakes. This coach is being perceived as a group of five coach that, hell, Lincoln Riley was about to leave, and people were talking about Seth Luttrell replacing him. Yeah, that's that true. is Oklahoma. That yeah, is Oklahoma. Yeah, that, that is Oklahoma. That is going from North Texas to Oklahoma. You have to be much better than what they're than what he's doing right now. Kansas State, looking at him right now, I feel like is. I don't want to again. I don't want this to come off wrong, but maybe saying they dodged a bullet. You are in fourth year with Mason Fine as your quarterback. Standards are high, and they should be high, and he hold, obviously holds his team to a high standard. I'm not saying that he's satisfied or anything like that, but there's just a different level that you have to bring a group of five team, especially when you're playing up on competition. When Boise State plays Wisconsin, you have to elevate competition, and you have to get your team even more prepared. You have to get your team more prepared than the other team. You have to get your team to yeah. play better than the other team. And what fans are very concerned about is that they haven't played well in these in these three games at least not consistently at all well have they ever arkansas arkansas isn't was an awful team i don't know if, see that's what that's what i'm saying like there are caveats to the way well, so i'm saying i don't think any 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 of these three years north texas is we've we've been able to look at north texas and go oh yeah they can beat that team arkansas yes because that was an early game we thought arkansas was better than they were and they're yes. an sac team yes later did we, we found out that they're awful and they're still awful yes and now that has an asterisk next to it Yes. I so think, I don't think any of these three years, four years, I guess, Seth Luttrell. Hit, I just think the talent on other teams is way better. So do you think? I don't. Chris, I don't think. I don't think this is. We're blindly following Seth Luttrell. I think this is we're blindly following the hype behind a team. Are we I think this is a product of Mason Fine, Seth Luttrell, Graham Harrell, Bodie Reader. I mean the whole the whole thing. I don't think this is Seth Luttrell. I think it's. We have Mason Fine. He's only going to get better. We had Rico Bussey and Jalen Gutton. This team's going to only get better. We had uh, EJ Gia and Brandon Gardner uh, three years ago, and they're only going to get better for for last year. I mean, every year there's been, oh, we're only going to get better, but maybe this team's just the way it is. So they're following hope. Yes. They're blindly following hope. They're blindly, because this team hasn't shown any time in its history that they're, they can be as good as they are now. Yes, I mean right now they are at their best stretch. And here's what the panic is about: is that this is the best stretch, stretch, and they're still getting blown up by Houston without their starting quarterback, running back. And, and, I'm, and I'm not saying that's acceptable, but I don't think Seth. We're not. I don't think we're following Seth blindly. I think if you put Seth at a better school, that school does better still. I mean, I'm not. I don't think Seth is is detrimental to this team. Of course not. But like I said, people were talking about him in. Very, very high praise, which I think they should. In the off season, which I think they should. And if you're going to be talked about in that pra- in that at that level, you have to be at the level of I don't even want, uh, Dana Holgerson. We saw what Dana Holgerson has done with Houston. Obviously, he had Derek King. Now he has Clayton Tune, and he still ran over all over. Okay, okay. 
Houston still has way more talent than North I'm Texas does. I'm not arguing that, but like I said, when you play a team that is better than you, has more talent than you, as a group of five school, or I mean, as any school, really, you have to elevate your team well, as, he, a, okay. as head coach. I'm gonna and, come, and at least one time in your career, because he hasn't done it besides Arkansas. He which, hasn't elevated which, his team to and I, upset I, a team. I agree with that. But maybe this team's already as high as it can be. But that's not answering my question, is that I think you have to be able to at least want to make to take that next step that we wanted them this team to take we wanted this team to take a step forward and win one just one of the three hard non-conference games that's it just one and he wasn't able to elevate them to that level we saw in 2001 to 2004 this team win eight games seven games nine games consistently that's cool they won their bowl game awesome pat on the back for them this team was supposed to be different and I feel like the chances of them being different now and being a team that that team is the greatest team in North Texas history and Seth Luttrell is a great coach and the greatest coach in North Texas history. I feel like so much so much steam has been lost. On I said game. this after SMU. The writing, I feel like the writing has always been on the wall for what this team has been. Uh, against Utah State, this team was completely torn apart. Yeah. The bowl game before that was a, was that Army? No, that was a uh, Troy. Troy, Troy. Yeah. same thing, completely torn apart. Army was the only close one. That's because they only run the triple option. This year, if they get a team similar to Utah State, I bet it's going to be the same exact thing. And I think it's an indictment on Coach Luttrell again. I don't think it's an indictment on Coach Luttrell. I think it is. I think it's this team is just what it is. This team is playing competition that's way better than it. And and like I said again, you have to at some point, at any point, you have to elevate your team to another level just for a game just for one game and they haven't done that so i don't i i again i think that he's a great coach like you mentioned i think he's a great coach but i think he'll tell you i think he'll tell you himself is that he hasn't broken through that ceiling i well, i agree with that and but he i'm saying he needs to break I, that ceiling i agree that he needs to break that ceiling for him to, to continue doing his things but maybe he's just a conference USA coach maybe a really this, good coach or just, exactly, like a really he's not a great, a real, a really good group of five coach. Maybe he's just that. Maybe he's just a really good group of five coach, pl- coaching a team. Like you have to think, another coach here. Based on what we've seen, I don't know if this team would do any yeah. kind of better. I mean, who, who could you put? Okay, again, I'm not arguing that Seth Trill is making the team worse, or that he's not, he's not making the team that much better. Like I'm saying, he is making the team better, but. At a group of, with a group of five school that has talent that we've acknowledged has talent, and you play three games against Cape teams that we've said before they are, they're not on the same level talent wise, but they're at least close. They should be able to elevate at least one of those games and punch another team in the mouth. But punch I don't. A, th- but punch I, the bully in the mouth. But I don't think that's time. an indictment on Coach Latrell. I just think it's that's just an indictment on what this team has always been. This team but has the always team reflects the coach. The team reflects the coach, but you're not going to bring. You know, you can't have. Well, I was going to say you can't have like a Citadel or like an FCS school come up and beat, uh, or perform against a really yeah. high level team. But we saw that with Citadel and Alabama, I guess. Yeah, but we, I mean, we've seen. I mean, we've seen upsets, and I don't even mean like straight outlier upsets, like North Texas or like a like if North Texas beat. Shoot, who knows? Like UT, if New North Texas goes and beat UT or something, obviously it's a great win. I think it's a plus, but just. Cons- being able to consistently play with teams above your your level and then be able to just have a chance and t- be able to punch them in the face for once 
they haven't been able to do it. Cal was probably the closest thing, and I just think Cal is a very I think Cal is about to take a slid first slide first of all in Pac-12. Yeah. I don't think they're going to end up with eight nine wins. I think they're going to end up with seven. So I just I I think that that's where the panic is from from the fans, and I think that it is reason to be like, well, damn, why why were they not even close in these games? We've saw we've seen what other conference USA schools have done. Maybe North Texas is just another conference USA team. That will not sit well with people. <laughs> it won't, but maybe that's just what they are. Yes, but it's not, that's not what was supposed to happen. <laughs> I agree with that. I, and, I agree. And not... again, I'm, I think it's an indictment on Coach Luttrell. Okay. Just to an extent. That's my opinion. All right. Um, we have two questions. Or we have two questions. Well, we have two people who asked us similar questions. Uh, from AB and Mark, they asked us about playing younger players um, and lineup changes. I kind of inserted the lineup changes myself. but Yeah. They asked about that type of thing. So first of all, let's run through the fresh, the true freshmen that are actually playing. Uh, Deontay Simpson, Kevin Wood, I believe, are the only two that are. Oh, um, Gabriel Murphy. Which of the Murphys? I think Gabriel. both of them. One of them plays on special teams. Okay, yeah, but I'm not really counting special teams. Well, because... that still doesn't. This still gets rid of your red shirt. So. Yes. No, it does. You're, yeah. Okay, so, so you have point. to count them. All right. Well, I haven't. Damn, I haven't gone through the whole special teams, but I'm sure there's more then. But uh, Deshaun Gaddy plays on special teams then. Uh, well, he also lines up at corner sometimes. Not often. But not he has, often, I'm no. saying. He has, yeah. yes. But um, I'm trying to think. So Deontay Simpson and Kevin Wood are, Wood are the only ones that actually get hard playing time on either side of the ball. Gabriel Murphy gets a, a few snaps here and there yeah. as well. Um, but yeah, those are the only three. Do you feel like we need to see more? I think I've asked you this before. Do you feel like we need to see more? We we them? obviously have to see the Deontay Simpsons. We you have to see something else at receiver just because yeah. there's no there's nobody right now. Yeah. Everywhere else, you have to keep it the same. Because one, there's not really a huge drop off. And two, you still are playing for something. And until we get that panic meter to a ten, sure, play the freshman. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that that'll be once we hit a ten. Um I do think Special teams. I mean, they gave up two touchdowns yesterday, so yeah, uh, it matters. Uh, of course, it matters. So, but I mean, for for offense and defense, what what you have is what is what you have to keep with, stay with. Yeah, you can, you can't change too much about it because, or at least you can't just go to freshman. Right, you just can't. Yeah, then then you're throwing away your season. Yeah. All right. Any lineup changes you you predict? You've predicted Taylor Robinson at safety, perhaps. That's is that the I only don't one? predict that. I, if he has another mess up, he'll come out of a game. For some some portion of time, yeah. I don't I don't think he'll get benched. For I just it. don't know if they have another backup. I mean, Alex Morris is. I would rather you move Kyle Sanders back to that back to that safety spot and throw in Jamil Moore. <laughs> Something. I mean, yeah, that's what they could do. I mean, Alex Morris is another backup safety. Or Tyreek player. Davis at that nickel spot and then move or put Kevin Woods in for a few snaps. Just something else. You just throw. It you just you just need a different look. Yeah. Okay. Is there any, anything else you thinking? You'll see Deontay Simpson more, but that's it. I mean. Who are the freshmen that have been playing? Will Deontay Simpson start over Deion Hare Griffin on the on the other, on the outside? We might see more of him than Deion Deion Hare Griffin. I think Deion starts, but I think we might see more snaps with okay. Deontay Simpson. Yeah, I can't argue. Any chance Jason Pertle starts when Kelvin Smith returns? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I was waiting for the night. Okay. No, definitely. I mean, he's he's a, right now so much. I mean, Kelvin played one game that mattered, right? He played against SMU. Yes. He, did he? No, he didn't play against SMU. I don't think. Then it was just UTSA? No, he did. He did. You're right. No, he played. The only games he didn't play were ACU and uh, Houston. Okay. Well, he had one catch against UTSA. And he had it, like two catches in the other games. And he was like a fourth read on that play. Jason Pirtle has shown so far that he's a better receiving threat. You need your best receivers out there right now. 
Trey Sigurds can run the ball with or without Kelvin. Kelvin's, so Kelvin is yeah. We both agree Kelvin is is a supremely talented or a supreme uh, super. Not the word. That's not the word I'm looking for. What's the word? Uh, is a uh, I don't know. Regardless, I'm just gonna say he's a better blocker than yeah. Jason Perry. Yeah. We we know this. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the past game is what opened up yesterday, and I think against a team that maybe gives them a, the look that they want. I think Jason Pertle will get a lot more. Yeah, you just need something. So something has to be yeah, out there. I think so. that they have the trust with Pertle. Or I think Mason has the really good trust with Pertle, obviously. Yeah. So, um, but all right, let's get into uh, attendance real quick because Colin, <laughs> it was the most attended game in Apogee stadium history. It was almost full sold out. It was, I don't know how loud it was. How loud was it to you? Was it, was it a good crowd? It is still the most disappointing loudness level that I've ever been around. <laughs> have you heard a louder? Yes. Apogee, Apogee yes. Crowd? Middle Tennessee when Eric Kina ran a punt. <laughs> okay. And that was like a ha- last year. Did you hear a louder? No. Then, then, then this. Oh, La Tech. Potentially your SMU mm, last year, maybe SMU crowd. The crowd does not know when to get loud. They literally had to put a quiet please on the board because they were yelling whenever it was a lot, th- a lot of people do that. Right, I mean, but I'm saying the the team screams whenever offense is out there, and they wait until something good happens for them to scream at all. So team doesn't get very. I mean, Houston was loud. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm trying to think where where I should go with this. Is uh oh oh the question was from NTSN was uh, do you think that this will hurt attendance and how much do you think it will it's, hurt attendance? This this is just like La Tech. They're gonna especially depending on how this Southern Miss game goes, it yeah. will not go up. Attendance is think th- think a benchmark. Right now, attendance is gonna be lower. Obviously, it's it say we'll say it's half full. The stadium gets twenty thousand people announced, twenty one thousand. Okay. It cannot go higher, no matter how they do against Southern Miss. They lose against Southern Miss, it drops. These team, these fans, they have Middle Tennessee at home after Southern Miss, but continue. Yeah, if if they win against Middle, the only the only time that there there's gonna be more fans showing up for a game now is if they see a good performance at home. No th- away performance. I is think gonna- the only time they're able, they're gonna reach over twenty five thousand again is if they run the table or have a chance at winning the conference championship against UAB the last game of the season. Yeah, at home. No, I agree. So I agree. That'll, that'll be yeah. I mean, they have they'd have to have some otherworldly performance for. At home for them to, to have any more fans. Yeah, I don't think Middle Tennessee have. will will garner that much. No, attention. I mean maybe twenty. I think I'm thinking twenty as well. Um, at least they have a bye week and then a road game, so I feel like it'll at least get the people. Differences though, the difference is though. Last year we t- I had a huge rant on attendance and how the fans did. just didn't show up. This year, I kind of think that it's deserved. Like that they don't show up. Whereas last year it was more of this team is showing you everything they have and now you're not showing nothing. See, but that was as a result of them going undefeated in com- in non-conference play. But I don't think for this year or last year. Last year. Last year, no. I think it was because they lost a lot of tech. On a no, field. no, no, no. Yeah, I'm saying that you were upset because they deserve better, but right, that was based be- off of them going four zero in non-conference and then just losing on a blocked field goal. Right. That's what I'm, exactly. There was no reason for them not to show up for that next game. Whereas but this, this year, since they've lost three games against better and not teams. been competitive, though, that's that's mm-hmm. the thing. They they've not done anything well, really. In the first quarter, entertaining, <laughs> right? I, I guess, yeah, entertaining. The first quarter. I mean, I'm surprised as many fans stayed as they did last night against Houston. Yeah. So uh, I think I think this year it's more, I guess, deserved. It sucks, but SMU they got destroyed. Cal was upsetting. This that first quarter. I do think the crowd was great, though. At least to get thirty, to get thirty thousand, yeah, to get that many people is amazing. Yes. And I think that they need to be committed for that, like tremendously. I think that was great. Good no, job, I, I agree. To see that place almost filled up was 
It was cool. It was great. It was cool. It was really cool. Um, all right. We got one more question. Last topic. Conference record prediction. Do uh, I think we should do that next week? I think we should get all of our conference. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do it. We'll do a complete conference because that, that's when the conference season really starts. Yes, we can watch conference play next Saturday. We can watch some yeah. of the conference USA games, perhaps. Um, let's see. We'll let's hold see. on to that question yes, for whoever that was. Uh, Mean Green Football. Yeah. Um, they also ask. Do, 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 do. Okay, we can't. We covered this. Mean Green Football. Do the two AAC losses speak more to UNT's talent level or the disparity in competition between the two conferences? That's actually a good question. Both. I think that yeah, it is both, but I do think that the AAC is just on another level. From, well, from, uh, from you the said the other night, uh, if you take away Clemson from the ACC, a- a- the AAC uh, is better. How much? How much? Yeah, exactly. Is better. It's yeah. not even close. Like North Carolina, obviously, is good, and then you have Virginia and whatnot. But past that, you're like, all right, UCF, SMU, Memphis, Houston, Houston. We'll roll them out. I think that's very interesting. So. Yeah, I think that AAC is a very good conference, and I'm waiting for a Power Six to be called the Power Six. Are, we, are you coining it now? Will it be called the Power Six anytime soon? The Power Six and the group of four? <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Isn't that just awful? It just makes all the four conferences yeah, way worse like than what they already it's were. Eventually, it's going to be Power Nine and group of one. And it's Conference USA <laughs> just down, down here with North Texas is the only team left. Uh, it's, a, it's just an independent conference. Independent. North Texas. Yeah, no. Um, all right, Con. I think that's all I had. Are you good? Do you have anything else you want to rant about or, or argue argue about? No. Maya's not here. Maya's not here today, so So we didn't have any interruptions or any anyone, you know, biting on our feet or uh anything. Uh, how much is Maya weigh now? Twenty three pounds. You got you guys have you guys have been through it all. You we we've 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 grown together on this podcast. Uh, yeah, we have. <laughs> we went from humble, Maya, humble beginnings. <laughs> humble beginnings, exactly. Um, yeah, Maya's. Well, Maya will be back next week. Maybe we'll have a guest next week. Mike Law, maybe. Uh, DJ Draper, maybe. Basketball season's about to start up. Basketball. Yeah, we're we'll start two pods. Almost on that two pod grind. The two pod grind. And we're. The, y'all ain't getting no more hour and a half podcasts. Then I'll tell you that. Y'all getting forty five minutes. <laughs> Then it's basketball time. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's all we had today. Um, Colin Mitchell, follow him on, at CJH Mitchell. Follow me on Twitter at Matthew Bruni underscore. We had a fun little video yesterday that ho- I hope people didn't take too seriously because it was for fun. Like, come on now. Obviously, these freshmen are not going to keep up with football. And Listen, it was their own damn fault for saying that they were a the seven is, on the fandom. I want to say this all right off the bat. I went into it with good intentions. I went yeah, we into both it did. He, he, intending he told to, me after the first two interviews that he was like, I don't know what to ask anymore because I thought they'd at least know who Mason Fine was. Yeah, we we completely scratched everything after that. So don't blame me. Blame them. Uh, blame me if you want. I don't really care. So, um, but yeah, that's that was that. Check that out. Uh, follow us on SoundCloud at Bruni's Breakdown Podcast. Apple Podcast, the same place. Leave us a rating, five stars only, please and thank you. We great, greatly, greatly appreciate it. If you leave us a review as well, compare us to uh, North Texas football or basketball players of the past. Okay. That's your challenge for this right. week. Uh, who, right. who are we like? Are we like J. Michael Reese and Jer- Jeremy Combs? I think you're like a Jordan Williams. All right. Are we like a Jordan Williams, you know? Um, you can go play in Britain. There you go. I, I think I'm like a Tony Mitchell. You're a little short for Tony Mitchell. Also, you work harder. 
Hey, there you go. There you <laughs> you go. work a little harder. So. I got something on them. Um, but yeah, leave us a rating. Leave us a review. We'd greatly, greatly appreciate it. Um, anything else to plug? I think that's all. We- oh, subscribe to Green 247com yeah, Become a VIP member. I'm doing VIP stuff every single week. Last week I did on the offense line how good they were. You can just throw that out real quick. Yeah, don't quick. subscribe to VIP for that. <laughs> <laughs> Forget about that. But anyways, uh, yeah, VIP stuff is on the way. Um subscribe to our in our uh, email blasts just That's scroll free. down and it's right there it's for free any way you can support us we'd greatly appreciate it we thank you all for your questions again everything everything y'all do for us is great and tell a friend and we'll be back next week maybe with a guest maybe not who knows but y'all have a great week <laughs> <laughs>